welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Solace, and with me, as always, is my very, very, very talented friend who always leaves me in awe, the Mixtress DC Gina. Hi, Louise. Hi, lovely. How are you? You know, Louise, I never thought I'd say this, but I think homeschooling is going to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you got to think of it this way. It's making you a stronger woman. I didn't Maybe. ask for this. <laughs> I had two children, but I didn't ask for this. <laughs> so you're coming to us from home today? I am. I'm coming to you from home after a long day of being the teacher for um, kindergarten and first grade. And a lot of moms, you don't know what you're talking about. So let's get, let's get this drink on. Okay, okay. So, Gina, I'm going to take you back in time, way, way back in time, to some of the most remarkable creations of classic antiquity. I'm talking about the seven wonders of the ancient world. So, what are the seven wonders, you ask? Well, let me tell you. They are the Hanging Gardens of Babylonia, the Temple of Artemis, sorry, the Statue of Zeus at Olympia, and the mausoleum of, and this one's hard, Halicarnassus, 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 something like that. And the Lighthouse of Alexandria, which I mentioned once before a long, long time ago on one of our shows about a couple years ago. Um, Also, the Great Pyramid of Giza, (laughs) which is the only structure still standing. And last but not least is Colossus of Rhodes, which was a statue of Greek sun god. It was erected on the Greek island of Rhodes um, in 280 BC. And according to most, Colossus stood about 108 feet tall, which is the same, basically the same height as the Statue of Liberty. So it made it the tallest statue of the ancient world. Um, Unfortunately, it collapsed during an earthquake in 226 BC, but Good news is we at least have a few pieces that were preserved. Um, those damn earthquakes, Mother Nature. She always I gets mean, her way. <laughs> she will. She's like, Greek God, um, Anyway, um, so in recent times, it's really interesting is that um, they actually are trying to recreate or build a new Colossus at Rhodes Harbor. Um, but apparently there's some debate exactly of where its location should be, where it was. And so they still got some things to iron out, but hopefully you know, it'll all come together. So, uh, which brings me to today's designated drinker. You're like, how the hell did that all make sense, Louise? Well, it's because it's all things that leave you in awe. She oh. is. Yes, she's very impressive. She, um, her title, yes, Director of Communications of ACLU of Virginia alone. That's very impressive. But what she does with the rest of her time is equally inspiring. So I'm so happy to introduce Edith Bullard as our next designated drinker. Welcome to the show, Edith. Thank you, thank you. So glad to be here. Yay. Yay. (laughs) I was wondering what all that was gonna lead up to also. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what did you make? (laughs) (laughs) She makes amazing things happen. That's what it is. (laughs) So speaking of all those things, Tell us about, and I, and I want our listeners to understand how much you give. You're one of those amazing people that just really give, and, it, and it's so genuine and so much a part of who you are. Will you please share with our listeners um, just some of the organizations you um, support and the efforts that are your, the great efforts that you go to and the great lengths you go to to help others? 
Sure. Uh, you know, first I like to say that, you know, I do it because I love it and because I always get so much from it. Uh, and um, there's a couple things that are really, you know, close to my heart. Um, you know, one of the projects I've been working on for several years, so about four years now, uh, is with an organization called Village Med, who is in the process of trying to put a pediatric clinic in Haiti. And so we've been going back and forth to Haiti for probably the last three years, um, trying to find land, trying to find, you know, kind of doctors, trying to find a variety of different things. Um, we were finally, you know, donated some land up in the mountains of Haiti, uh, but there's no infrastructure up there. So it's quite, it's quite a struggle. And not to mention that there was a coup this year. So, <laughs> so we haven't been back to Haiti probably in about 18 months, but still on the burner is still something we really want to be doing. And then, you know, uh, as I, you know, one of the other things, you know, if we could go to the other, another continent in, is in uh, Nigeria, we've been working with Boko Haram um, women who have villages were basically kind of destroyed and they all end up in Lagos, which is the capital of, of Nigeria. And we work with them basically on women empowerment kinds of things. We, you know, try to give them skills. We're working with a fish farm in order to try to get them to be able to adopt that in order to raise income. Um, we've been working with them on trying to create a um, reusable sanitary napkin, which doesn't sound like a wonderful thing, but in, in, in Africa uh, with that population, it's a big deal. And then, you know, I come back home and, and I do a number of things, you know, right here. Uh, um, um, the chairman, chairman of uh, the board for Carpenter Shelter, which is a homeless shelter right in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, a, a population that, you know, it's, you know, one of those interesting things because Alexandria is a lovely area, but it also is an area that is um, not very affordable. And people, populations who have lived in Alexandria for years and years and you know decades are now not able to afford to be there and so being able to find you know solutions for them and help them find a way to have forever homes in different ways is, is important um food and friends i deliver uh, meals to uh, both when i in my free time in my free time i deliver meals to food and friends which is an organization that uh, delivers food to people who you know have some type of terminal illness that need to be uh, supported by by food and I love working with kids. So when, when nothing else through my church, I work with a couple of children's group. I have a women's empowerment or girls empowerment group for children eight to 18, um, where we do everything from go to art shows to explore you know, self-image to whatever they have an interest for. We write poetry, haikus the last time. Um, uh, and so, you know, it's just you know, a variety of different things um, that kind of keep me going. So let's let's that was an awful lot. So let's go back to Haiti, shall we? Yes. Um, tell us a little bit more. So you, you said you have this might this is kind of right up your alley now, Gina. You know, new land, working yeah, yeah. in goats. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Let's take a deeper dive. What is sure. the what what does it mean? I mean, I, I don't know that everyone truly understands the great need that's there. Sure. And what drove you to, to do that? Why there? 
Um, I think why there is the organization, uh, which was in place long before I started uh, working with them, uh, first went to Haiti right after the big uh, earthquakes um, and hurricanes a few years ago that was so destructive to all of, of Haiti. And as destructive as it was to um, you know, Port-au-Prince, which is kind of you know, the, the capital of Haiti, is much more destructive when you went up into the mountains, into you know, La Haye and those kinds of places. And so... Um, they went in, you know, and, and particularly when going into the mountainous areas, uh, they believed that people had forgotten about them, that they, you know, they weren't getting any of the aid that was coming through. They weren't uh, the beneficiaries of any of the things that had happened in more of the populous areas of Haiti. And so um, the people from Village Med decided that they wanted to uh, build this clinic in La Haya, which is on a mountain, which has no road that gets to it which is another story in and of itself. <laughs> Making a difficult situation even more difficult. Making a difficult situation even more difficult um, because primarily there were you know, children, there were adults there that had never seen a doctor. And so it was important that, you know, um, there's a lot that, you know, you can't do for, you know, kind of the older uh, members of the community, but if perhaps you can start with children and getting children healthier, um, and helping children, you know, develop some type of self-image and helping children read, um, that perhaps they will be in a better shape or be able to create a better community than, than their parents and the parents before them. And so that's why we chose La Haya. Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, kind of why we trek up to the mountains. And again, like I said, one of the, the families up there donated land. But it's an interesting uh, proposition. I mean, it, it, we still a long way to go. Um, you know, there is no running water in La Haya. Um, there is no electricity in La Haya. And so when you start talking about creating a clinic, it's all going to be about creating the infrastructure in order to support the clinic, too. I think the really interesting thing or interesting or sad um, it, point to that is that it's so close to the United States. Haiti is not far away. So it, when you talk about it, that no infrastructure, just the basic needs to know that that really is just a short flight from here. And we have islands, American, I mean, uh, uh, and many, uh, a lot of developed countries obviously have interests throughout the islands. And it's, it's just yeah, so baffling to me to even think that those things just don't exist. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and, and, you know, I think that, you know, what, you know, particularly as Americans, sometimes we need to realize is that the things that we see on the islands are not necessarily the totality of the islands. So there are beautiful, beautiful resorts in Haiti, beautiful gated white beach resorts in Haiti. But, you know, you need to go outside of those gates sometime and see what's going on truly in that country. Yeah. Or, or in any country that you're in. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, it's, it's even common here within the United, within the United States, right? It's, there's things that um, you get past just past the surface, and it's a completely different story. Um, and then, so in Africa, yes. you do this. This is a... a this is really close to your heart and to your family, right? Yes. Uh, the, the project is being led by my stepdaughter, who one day when I grow up, I'm going to be just like her. Um, she um, just has a passion for empowering women and girls and has forever. And um, she started out um, being, so if I talk about where she really started, you know, she started that she, you know, she graduated from college as a, a singer, wanted to be a professional singer. Uh, didn't make it, didn't work, you know, the industry is really hard. 
So I decided to use that talent. She went into Africa and uh, used to work with HIV orphanages and she would um, go over, produce a musical and the kids in the orphanage would perform the musical and that's how they raise money. And that's wonderful. She's just kind of blossomed from there. She's probably been in something like 24 college countries in about 14 years uh, doing wow. these kinds of programs. Wow. And the name, I, I'm sorry, I, is that um, Chain, Chain Rocks Foundation? Yeah, is it, is change, that what you told me the other yeah, day? Change Rocks Foundation, um, which she actually has changed the name to Change International. Um, so either way, but if you put changerocksfoundation.org, that's what you'll get to Change International. But it's a great organization. And again, like I said, it's about empowering women and children. Um, you know, in Africa, human trafficking is still a huge, huge issue. Um, you know, child rape is still a huge, huge issue. Uh, and much of that is because, you know, um, women don't have the self-sufficiency, you know, uh, to do that. And yet understand that, you know, uh, many cases human trafficking is because uh, families are selling their own children because they need to eat. Yeah. And so um, being able to provide some type of self-sufficiency for these women is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's it. And that too, to think that, human trafficking is obviously an issue throughout the world but to think that it's actually that's the selling of your own child the desperate space people must be at to even for that to happen it's right. it's got to right. be a very low place right and it is i mean no doubt about it but i have to say that you know again and we talked about this at one point and you know i do this not because of what i do for them but because of what i get out of it and I always get out of it so much more than I put into it. And so you look at these people who have nothing, you look at these people who are in desperate things, but they have such a resilience of spirit and they have such a resilience of, you know, kind of history and their ancestry and what they're about and such a love for, you know, kind of, you know, their, their culture and their, their, you know, combined family because the, like, the, the units are very large sometimes is it just supporting each other because, you know, there's no one else out there to support them. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm always amazed. <laughs> so, Gina, do you, do you know? I can't even you're... say anything. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm listening, and I have, like, a million comments, and then I'm like, you go to the next thing that you do, and I'm like, and that's so important, too. Like, <laughs> that's amazing. Like, do you, do you, do you know foods, food and friends? Yes. That that I raise money yeah, for cause... food and friends every year. Right. So I, 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 I'm a ticket seller. So basically I show up and I make cocktails for the, for the benefit. So they have one day a year, Louise, where they have one benefit that raises pretty much three quarters of the money for the foundation to run for the entire year. And I am one of their auction items. I am, I do whatever Which they need. Selling a woman for good, not right, bad. Right, right? For bad. <laughs> you can get me for your party and it's, a, you know what I mean? But if it's going to bring in money, and I, I believe in Food and Friends from when Food and Friends was in Southeast, um, and it was a very small structure, and I was in college when I first started volunteering for them and packing small meals when people <clears throat> really were still unsure of how they felt about HIV. And that's how Food and Friends really started. It wasn't just terminal yeah. illness. It founded off of Women Walker Clinic and feeding people with HIV and for me, that's a very personal uh, issue. I had a, a brother that had it and has died from it. So I, you know, 
100% gave to whatever I needed to do, you know. So I, I believe, I love Food and Friends. I think they're a wonderful organization. And if you want, if you're listening to this podcast and you live in D.C. and you think that you need to do something, they're always looking for volunteers. Always. And not always. just D.C. If you live in Maryland, if you live in Virginia, they deliver in all three you know, states now. And, you know, there's different days they need different people. And you could be in the kitchen or you can deliver meals. Uh, there's always a lot that you can do. And they look for groups to volunteer. So as you once we get past a little bit of this COVID, if you have a group that would like to, you know, corporate group or volunteer group that would like to volunteer together, please give them a call. They use all the help they can get. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Gina, maybe that'd be a good reason to um, get some of our designated drinkers together. <laughs> I would totally we get, do that. Especially if we get a cocktail with Gina later. That'd be awesome. <laughs> after. <laughs> and not on premise. As I said, um, after, after. <laughs> how do you get involved? I have a question. How can you help with the trafficking? Like, I see all these different, you know, I, so we do a lot of stuff here for like women that just you know, have no uh, no voice and like domestic violence and stuff that's here in, in DC. And I, I always think about that, like how can we, let's just raise money, but know that it's helping people to not traffic their children, not to sell their children. It is, it is an unbelievable, I, I, when you said that, I just almost started crying because I've heard, you know, read, but I've heard from people that like work on like different um, organizations how horrible it really is between the different populations, and then you know just countries that literally people have multiple you know seven eight kids and give away two. It's right. insane right. to me. Yeah, I mean you know you know human trafficking is a huge issue, and you know there is no easy answer for it at all. Um, you know again you know. Certainly, you know, having people have a living wage is is a huge part of it. Um, even, you know, there's a human trapping that happens here in the States a lot of times around things like, you know, you know, with runaways that, you know, kind of leave their homes for whatever reason, find themselves around bus stations, et cetera, which are huge spaces in the United States where young kids are picked up for human trafficking. So, I mean, again, you know, the root causes are very complex. And so I don't know that there's an easy answer. I think all you can do is try to pick at it and try to make people as self-sufficient as possible. And, you know, no, all, the other thing that we all can do is to be at least aware that it's happening. And if you see something that looks a little hanky, there are all kinds of numbers that you can call to report if you think that someone's being trafficked. Look for that, particularly when you're at bus at truck stops. Look for that, particularly when you're, like I say, you're in those large places like bus stations, train stations, et cetera, because that's a lot of times where you can run into those kinds of circumstances. That's interesting. I would have never thought, I mean, you, you're right. When you, if you see, if you feel something, something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. Right. And you're right. If the if if the if the smallest thing we could do is just be aware and to um, act upon those moments, that's, okay. that's great advice because it's it's something we all can do. You just turn it on, like it, don't ignore it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Make that phone call. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Gina, are you thirsty yet? I am, but I, I just want to have a question for Edith. Edith, when do you sleep? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, do you sleep? 
<laughs> yes, I do sleep. I do sleep. But uh, I, the, the days are full, believe me, that the days are full. And um, But, it, you know, again, I think that, as I said, it's kind of the stuff that speaks to my heart. You know, after one just glass of eye, after working at, uh, you know, an advertising, advertising agency for the last 12 years, I decided to leave and go to the ACLU in Virginia. And again, that was just one of those things that, you know, I saw a need and I could play a role in something that makes a difference. Um, and I jumped at that opportunity, um, even though, you know, it is, um, you know, less income, less whatever, but it is what I needed to do for my heart and soul. And, you know, that, you know, we've got our own issues here right in the U.S. of A. that we need to be dealing with day in and day out. And ACLU gives me that opportunity. Wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, we definitely need to have a drink. All right. So yes. <laughs> I'm up. Uh, okay. I'm so I'm feeling like, wow, right, I'm going to turn my camera down. Right. So if you're, if you're watching this on YouTube or you're watching the video, you'll be able to see everything that we're doing. Um, so basically what we're making is a daiquiri. Um, Louise told me that you're a fan of, um, rum. I love rum. I love all kinds of rum. We you know, um, you know, light, aged, uh, spiced. Uh, I believe that you're gonna, what kind of, you told Louise that you had, what kind of rum do you have today, Edith? I have uh, Captain Morgan's private stock. Oh, yum. I love that. So does everybody have like a shaker tin? Or a, some sort of shaker? You know or... what, I'm gonna run and grab one real quick. All right, if you don't have that, we also can use Tupperware. <laughs> I just use Tupperware on another. Wait, I'll show you. It's great. You use like a snapware, like yeah. this, right? Yeah. And you oh, yeah. snap it. It works yep. so good. It's crazy. Well, one She's of our like, last episodes with um, with Shauna Mendelson, she used no, no, with uh, Jay Lewis, he actually used his uh, sports uh, shaker, his. Uh, Sports drink is uh, yeah, that's fancy. Shake shaker. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just showing her Edith that you could just use Snapware. It doesn't matter. Oh wow, okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had plenty of parties where there's just too much, right? All right, so so I do not have my jigger with me, so we're going to put two ounces, and I'm just going to use an actual tablespoon, and we're going to pour in two ounces of rum. I am using a white rum. And we're gonna drop that in. Two, three, make sure you measure it, two ounces. And this is where a daiquiri gets um, really personal. So um, a daiquiri takes one ounce of lime juice, so it's a two-one ratio. And, and a lot of people like to put one ounce of, of simple syrup into their daiquiri or sugarcane syrup. But we are gonna use our vanilla syrup that we all made. Did everybody make it? Edith, did you make it? No. She made a simple syrup. I mean, but, I have, but I have a substitute. What do you got? What do you got? They, they told me that I just needed to put a little bit of sugar and some water, and I did yep. that. Perfect. So you're going to take a half an ounce of your simple syrup, or we're going to use a um, vanilla-based simple syrup. This, and you're just this is so delicious. Uh, Gina, this simple syrup is delicious. Thank it's Well, it's the vanilla bean did all the work. I didn't, I didn't do it. Um, nature, again, again, provided that for us. All right, so in here is legitimately your, this is a daiquiri, that's all that goes into it, right? So it's rum, sugar, and a lime, right? So if you go to like pretty much any of the, um, 
you know, islands or, or uh, South America where rum is prevalent, you know, this is the base of every single drink, right? Whether it's a tea punch on the islands and you're adding sugarcane syrup and a lime, or you're in um, Brazil and you're having cachaça and you're adding the lime and sugar again and shaking it. So we're gonna put some ice in there and then we're just gonna shake. Did you add the ice to it? No, no one told me ice. Huh. <laughs> Sorry. We're gonna add ice to your drink. We'll wait, we'll wait. I'll wait for you. Sorry. So again, Gina, you just said the daiquiri is really just sugar, lime, and rum. Yes. And those are the basic ingredients. Yes, that's all it is. But you need to put them together in the right way, right? So you want to like yes. two, one, one, two, one, and for me, half ratio. But one is also sure. fine. All right. Yes. So are we ready to shake? Yes. Let's yeah. shake all right. Yes. Let's shake it. I was gonna say, so when you can like write on there and write your name or write Edith's name, then you know that you're ready to take this off and your drink is ready to go. So what has happened is you got a nice little frothy action happening and you're just gonna strain this into a rocks glass, coupe, wine glass. You're just gonna serve it up, not over fresh ice. And if you're the same problem I'm having trying to get the top off of it now that it's like Oh, I'm gonna show you a trick. You want a trick? Yes, I need a trick. Ready? So when it's like this on the side, when it's like that on the side, you hit it on the side that it's not on. So it's gonna like hit it off. I think she has the other kind, Gina. Oh, take the little top off, Edith. Does it the top unscrew on the top? It should, but it's not doing that either. No, the very little top. The little, the very little, little top. The little knob. I, I started that tried that too. It doesn't like it. It might be it might be too cold. Oh so, so I have to so, take the word for it. <laughs> so word for it. No, well, you can no, we can wait and you can just like run under a little bit of warm water and it'll come right okay, off. What it does? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Edith, I'm getting you a bar, I've decided. I like it. <laughs> Let me see yours, Louise. I use the dark rum. Ooh, it's pretty. Thank you. Nice glass. Oh, that, thank you. That's um, when I was making the simple syrup yesterday. Dave's like, oh my God, what is that? It's it good. delicious, doesn't it? It's a good recipe. So why, let me ask you this while we wait for Edith. Why use... Um, so this simple syrup you had, um, white wine, sugar, mm -hmm. and the yep. vanilla bean. What is the difference? Because you always have a, typically have a, you have me make simple syrup with water. Why wine? Did it come off? Yes, it did. Yes. I learned something new. You can thank my seventh grade um, chemistry teacher for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, know, you, when you keep, because you were mixing martinis in the seventh grade, right? No, no, you remember like you would have that ring, that ball and the ring, and you would set the ring on, like the ring, and you could put the little thing through like this, and then, and then it would cool off and you couldn't get it out, and then you heat it out, whatever. All right. Literally. <laughs> Mr. Pagano, I learned something. He's probably like, well, who, what? Anyway. 
All right, so we're gonna take a little uh, lime wheel like this. Yeah. I was gonna put it on the side of your glass. I can do that. Um, and we can just do a quick one. So cutting a lime wheel, you wanna make sure that your fingers are here and just come down the side. And then one little slit and for the top of your glass. Wonderful. Yours is pretty but it's there. There's a well, it yes. doesn't, uh, Here we go. <laughs> you have a better right. soul, Edith, so to eat it. Yeah, exactly. Cheers. 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 <laughs> Ooh, that's good. Ooh, very nice. Did that take you back to the islands? Takes you back to the islands. I have to try it with a real simple syrup the next time. <laughs> you know what's nice about this, though? It's Rum is personal. Like, everybody has a rum that you like. And like, you should drink what you like. You don't have yeah. to like, every recipe isn't made so that you make it just that way and that's the only way to do it. Like using like a dark, like a good Haitian rum. Oh my gosh, forget it, it's so good. But I would do any of the Haitian rums with sugarcane syrup from Haiti. Because ah. the, um, the sugarcane there is delicious. Where they make the uh, molasses and everything from. Everything. Yep, yep. So like, I, I, I would, I'm very lucky. Sometimes I get some Haitian rum from my friends that come back, and it's been obviously been a while, yep. but yep. Haitian rum is wonderful. Yep. It'd be really yep. nice if there was a way that um, some of the better rums could actually come into the United States and not is just it because, like. Is it because it's such a small batch that like they're such so small? No, because the United exported. States is a There's big piece of shit. And they are mean <laughs> to any, anybody that can't pay their taxes that they want. Gotcha. To, to import and export. The United States does not do business well with other countries. I'll say it. Uh, I said it. Yeah. You said it. <laughs> I mean, and even you guys can all nod secretly, but I'll say it. <laughs> and it's I mean, terrible. If you're coming through the airport, you can only bring a certain number of bottles into the country. Yeah. Which is yeah. pretty. Do you know, actually, traveling abroad, there's certain countries you can't take anything in. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> Belize is terrible. Belize taxes their um, liquor really, really high, apparently. It's extremely high. Oh, really? And then, yeah, and you can't buy anything in the airport and take it in. Um, I will say some of my friends and maybe me snuck some things through, though, so that you could take it in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of traveling. <laughs> exactly. So, well, someday we'll be able to do it again. Someday. Yes. Yes. So let's do a little housekeeping while we're at it, Gina. Where are they going to go to get this recipe? Uh, designated Drinker Dot Show. Wait, where are they going to go and what are they going to uh, get? They're going to go to Designated Drinker Dot Show for the tips, tricks, and how tos. <laughs> did I say it right? <laughs> you did. It was perfect. <laughs> Thanks. So, yes, you're going to get all of Gina's pro tips. And the other thing we want to make sure is that we will have links um, not only in our episode notes. If you guys are listening and just scroll down, they'll be right there. You will also um, on our website and we'll make sure they have all the links to the wonderful organizations that Edith, Edith is behind. And right. um, you want to find out more. Obviously, there's a lot of people in a lot of need and a lot of um, ways for all of us to get busy and get and be helpful. Sounds good. It sounds like a good holiday gift instead of trying to give people gifts during COVID. So do that. Give some money. Give in honor of somebody's name. That's always a really, that's a beautiful gift. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's what everyone should do this year. It's like a two-parter gift. Actually, yeah. it's a three-parter gift. You'll feel better for what you did. You give to somebody else and you're giving in somebody else's name. Right. That's all. A win-win-win. Win-win-win. Love it. 
All right, Gina, oh. this one's you. Okay. All right, so in, you know, in this new, all, all the kids, that's all the rage, everybody has, like, identifies themselves with a spirit animal, and they're like, you know, I really identify with, um, you know, I, I don't even know, a Bengal tiger, and you're like, oh, that's, what, like, why? Because they're running and all that stuff. If you can identify yourself with a, with an ingredient, a spirit ingredient, what would that ingredient be and why? Oh, you stumped her, Gina. Oh, <laughs> spirit ingredient. Oh, my gosh. Something that just defines you. It could be anything. It could be, I don't know, you know, mint. I think it would, I don't I think know. It would be ginger. Um, yeah. you know, I think that, that ginger is a little unique and a little spicy and has just a little bit of bite. And I think that would be my spirit ingredient. Oh, I love that. That's a good definition. It is. It is awesome. I love that. That's Maybe we should ask this question before the show so we can make the ingredient with a spirit ingredient. Ah, that would not be a bad idea. That might okay. be fun. Edith, I think you just inspired a new part of the show. Okay. <laughs> we'll call it the Edith segment. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I think this is a wrap. Edith, thank you so much for being a guest on the show, but even more so for all that you do and inspiring us to be better people. Um, thank you. Thank well, you. Thank you for inviting me, and um, thank you, hopefully, that you know, I shared something that would touch somebody. You definitely Absolutely. did. Absolutely. Even if it's just me. Great. You nailed it. <laughs> That's it. One person at a time. That's all it takes. It's make a difference. <laughs> Cheers, ladies. Cheers, thank ladies. you. Thank you. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. To learn more about HCOA or to find out about Missing Link's other podcasts, head over to missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company. 